We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Clippers fly 15 of 18 from the line in overtime. And they defeat the Knicks. Randall showing his frustration. 134, 128. They outscore the Knicks 19-13 in overtime. Knicks took their first lead in the final moments of regulation, led by three. And it was Batum with the big three at the buzzer to send this game into overtime. Yep, and the Knicks never recovered. They got off. Ah, man. Say it again. <laughs> this fucking team. Uh, not a not a great this fucking team, but still uh, this fucking team. Look, um, there's gonna be a lot of <laughs> be a lot of lot of lot of things to talk about tonight as the Knicks lose in overtime to the Los Angeles Clippers, a game that um, I mean that was like three games in one. Um, there was the first three quarters and then the fourth quarter and then the overtime. I'm just going to come out right now and say that, um, I'm going to be largely positive tonight and I am sure that will bother some people. Um, you know, because that's, it's kind of the vibe of this team, um, which is a shame too, because, and it has to do with the reason that I'm going to be positive tonight, because if there's one thing more than inept management, more than good coaches that come here and are terrible or decent players that come here and look like they don't know how to play basketball or the inability to get the big player or any, any other number of things that you could try to define this team with over the last 20 plus years, before the last couple of years, um, it was a lack of effort. It was turning on games and they go down in the first quarter and it's like, okay, well, they're going to lose by 35 tonight or they'll probably end up losing by 15 or so because the game gets so out of hand that, you know, they'll make a, whether it's a patented Nick fake comeback or it's more just like, let's get the score respectable. And this team doesn't do that. And they're more talented than a lot of the teams that we've watched, you know, over the last 20 plus years. I get that. And that matters, but they have heart and they fight and they don't give in. It doesn't matter who they're playing. It doesn't matter 
if they're not shooting well on a given night, it doesn't matter if the other team that they're playing is shooting outstanding, which is the sort of thing that will very easily sap morale. This team doesn't quit. They don't give in. They did. They they did a little bit early in the season when they were figuring some things out and the vibes were really bad. But for the most part, they fight. And I think what we witnessed in the fourth quarter, going into the fourth quarter, 15 down. I mean, really, it's not just that they went into the fourth quarter, 15 down. Like they were outclassed all night. And I, I, I maybe I shouldn't use the word outclassed because that implies uh, there's a lot of ways you could take that. Clippers are just really fucking good. And they look like the team that a lot of people, including myself, picked to go to the finals before the season started. Um, they were hitting a lot of good shots. I didn't think the defense was that bad. There were some quibbles that we will talk about. Um, and there were certainly some things that the Knicks um, that were frustrating about how the Knicks played over the first three quarters that we will talk about. And all that's valid, but it's more to my point that like, if ever there was a game where it's like, okay, guys, we got another game tomorrow. Let's just lay down and, and die. But the Knicks don't do that, you know, and credit to the bench unit, the bench unit went, you know, after the lead went that went up to 17 after I forget what Clippers scored to start the fourth quarter, they got it down to eight. Um, now after they got it down to eight lead went back up to 12 and then the starters came in and then it was like, Oh, okay. Well, the starters are going to do what the starters we've seen a lot of times do and not come up huge. Well, guess what? They came up huge. And what they did down the stretch of that game, I'm not sure was what was more impressive. Um, what they did on offense against that, Group. I mean, that's a really hard team to score against um, or on defense. And we're going to talk about some of the very one in particular, very special defensive performance. I thought, especially down the stretch of that game um, that really stood out to me. But, you know, to go up three um, after being down 17, a 20 point fourth quarter turnaround. If you say that out loud, it sounds a little insane. Even in the this day and age, of the NBA, where 20 point fourth quarter turnarounds are not that crazy, but for the Knicks to do it against that team, it's impressive. Um, Jalen Brunson. I, I, I've again, run out of things to say about him. The dude was sick. The dude was a game time decision. Didn't know if he was even going to play tonight. That's apparently how sick he was. And he comes out and he puts up 40, including like, and look, there's been a lot of complaints about Jalen Brunson, which is why I thought my, my favorite tweet of the night was from Benji. And it came sometime in the middle of the third quarter when I think Brunson scored 10 of the first 12 points for the Knicks, um, where it's like, this is what happens when you get a guy and you get to watch a guy every night. You start to harp on the negatives, right? And you start to harp on what the player doesn't do. And you start to harp on the player's imperfections as opposed to what he does well. Um, and no, Jalen Brunson isn't a quote-unquote natural point guard. And yes, the offense does get a little bogged down occasionally. Um, maybe a little bit more than a little occasionally. That's not all on him, but he's the point guard, so he owns it. Uh, dude had 41 points on 19 shots tonight. And seven assists. Game time decision. I don't know what more you could say. Impeccable performance. Um, got them the lead that should have been enough to win. The last possession of regulation, um, I've now had a chance to rewatch it a few times. Three gripes. One, 
and this is these are the gripes that are going to come up tonight. I'm saying I'm not. I'll I'll let you know if, if it was my gripe or not. Didn't come down with the rebound after the initial miss. I thought RJ and look, we'll talk about RJ. Uh, RJ, it, you don't usually see him come down with the big rebound. He struggles there, and he was the closest man to the ball and uh, didn't come down with the rebound. I don't have a huge issue with it. Ball got tipped up into the air. At that point is where sitting here now, it's like, okay, you could foul there. You're up three, right? couple things. One, when the ball, I forget what, uh, who had the ball. I think it was Kawhi had the ball uh, initially. By the time he passed it out to Paul George, I want to say there was like four seconds left. Um, and then maybe three seconds left. And then, or actually there might've been another intervening pass. I forget, but it was, I think there might've been a second pass. So it was bang, bang. And then to Paul George and then Paul George hit it out to Batum and then Batum hit the three. I'm not even going to harp on like, well, at four seconds, do you foul the guy, you know, because that's enough time. Well, we did see a game (laughs) earlier this season where a team was down three and a guy missed a free throw and got his own miss and put it back in. So it's like, we already know that that's not a guarantee, but I think it's still the smart play. Um, At the same time, you're playing that defensive possession. You are like, that is as in the thick of it as you're going to get. That was a 20 some odd seconds left defensive possession. You're guarding the possession in your mind the whole time with got to prevent the three, got to prevent the three, got to prevent the three. I, I've i never, I don't play ball. I wish I had time to. I haven't played ball since I was a fucking little kid. So maybe there's someone who's watching or multiple people who are watching now that could uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this. I would imagine that it takes an awful lot of awareness to flip the switch and be like, oh, wait, now there's now time's running out and now it's maybe a different situation. Now I should foul. I'm not going to personally get on them for not fouling again. When I think it was in Kawhi's hands with whatever six, five, four seconds remaining. Now is Tibbs yelling foul there? Should Tibbs be yelling foul there? Those are two questions I can't answer. If he wasn't yelling foul there, maybe he should have been, but again, I would argue that there is at least a different viewpoint. Um, and then the third thing that I would have a gripe with and that I do have the biggest gripe with is Hardenstein's contest on the Batum three. I don't, I don't understand why he, he, he didn't like full force close out. He hesitated. He stopped his contest. He planted and then he jumped as opposed to just running out and trying to swat at it. And I think if he does that, he gets the pump fake. And like, again, even that I don't think is completely fair because there's a difference between forcing a pump fake with a second and a half left on the clock and forcing a pump fake with, you know, 0.8 seconds left on the clock. It's a, again, this is all bang, bang stuff. It happens. The final possession in totality. It happens. It sucks. It is the, I mean, I won't say it's the worst way to lose because I could think of about at least two and probably three or four times this year where I thought losses were worse. 
because they did so unlike other losses where they did so much bad down the stretch, they didn't do anything bad in the fourth quarter, literally anything at all. And then they almost won it. And it was just bang, bang, bang. Some plays you wish you would have back. And it's easy to criticize. It's easy to criticize. And I, I, people are going to criticize tonight and that's fine. But I just wanted to attempt to give it some perspective as for the overtime. I mean, I can't, it's, Reminded me a lot of the Dallas overtime. I can't even imagine the emotional letdown after that game goes to overtime to begin with. And it's not like they completely fell apart in overtime. You know, some of those turnovers you'd like to have back. But like, I think what probably happened is after the three went down to get them into overtime, it gave the Clippers a chance to regroup because they were not a regrouped team down the stretch of that game in regulation. It gave them a chance to regroup and be like, okay, let's remember who we are. Let's like defend how we know how to defend. Um, and I think their defense is really what won them. Well, I shouldn't say that their offense was freaking outstanding tonight. And uh, the Knicks had issues. We'll talk about some of those issues. We'll talk about some of the personnel decisions um, that were made. Uh, there are opportunities to go small against that team. Tom Thibodeau did not go small once tonight. He played a traditional center for all 53 minutes of action. Absolutely worthy of critique. Would we be critiquing it if that Nick Batum three doesn't go down? Probably not. Um, but they lose the game. It's open to critique. Uh, and I want to, but I do want to at least limit it. I personally am not someone who thinks you could play small with Zubac in there. I think Zubac, Zubac kills you on the offensive guards uh, boards regardless. I think Hardenstein did a nice job tonight. And I think in general, the team did pretty good tonight. I, pretty good. Maybe he's a little strong in terms of uh, protecting the glass, the defensive glass and preventing offensive rebounds. But I thought Hardenstein was really good tonight. Yes. He had a couple turnovers. You'd like to have back. Not going to kill him for him. Uh, but for the minutes that Zubac isn't in there, those are minutes you go small. Topping out a nice night tonight in however many minutes he got. No reason you could have played him, couldn't have played him more minutes it, during those specific minutes. Would that have made a difference? Would it have made a positive difference? Would it have made a negative difference? Again, they lost the game, so it's open to second guessing, right? That's what we get to do. It's our luxury to be able to sit there and, and do that. Um, and then I guess there's the RJ stuff. The RJ stuff. What is the RJ stuff? Um, he's a he's a tough he's a tough guy to talk about, and he's a tough guy for me to evaluate. Like this team, he does not give up. He does not give in. Hit some big shots down the stretch. I don't have an issue with Tibbs playing him as much as he did because I don't believe that there was another option. Again, putting the putting the non Zubach minutes aside, um, I don't think you could go super small against that team with Brunson quickly and Grimes. I think you, for as much as RJ struggled tonight guarding Kawhi, and it was mostly Kawhi that he had the assignment on. I mean, he struggled guarding other people too, but it was mostly Kawhi. I think there's an argument that that was still their best option because you put, if you get quickly out there or in there, um, and then you have Brunson and Grimes in there, then you, you know you're they're hunting you. And this team, 
they again they have been they're, they're not perfectly designed which is why a Kyrie Irving rumor came out tonight although I don't know if that's going to solve their their point guard issues but like this team is designed to hunt mismatches that's what they do that's how they score you know and you could do any kind of defense you want and we saw them punish the Knicks in several different ways tonight I actually this is probably gonna sound crazy I actually didn't think the Knicks three-point defense was that bad um, I thought the Clippers hit shots. I, you know, there were a couple of drop coverages there specifically involving Sims. I think Sims is, we're seeing a lot of Sims warts. He's, I mean, he's just not ready for prime time, but I thought when Hardenstein was in there, I thought a lot of their hard hedges were really good. I thought Hardenstein in general covered the perimeter pretty good. Um, I thought they switched when it was the right opportunity to switch, but again, that team will beat you on switches. Training. If I missed anything, um, yeah, I guess the last point on the RJ, and then I'll say the other thing that I, I wanted to say before and forgot about. Um, the thing you you wish you had with RJ, like, look, he went six for 21 tonight. Emmanuel quickly went three of 12. Now, granted, RJ hit some big shots down the stretch, and that's important. Matters. But quickly will play a game, and he will not shoot well. And you still feel like he's a positive, or at least a net neutral, because of everything else he does because of his decision-making, because of his defense. I wish there were more games where we felt the same way about RJ, where he has a poor shooting game and doesn't do things like, you know, in the mo- it was a moment I think it was in the third quarter, maybe it was in the first half, I don't know, I lost track of time, where he gets caught up. Um, not caught up, he, he misses a shot. He misses a shot that he should have made. It's a nice little push shot from short mid-range. And he's has his reaction when he misses a shot that he should make where he's like not happy with himself. And he kind of momentarily is lost in the clouds. And as he's getting lost in the clouds, his assignment, Kawhi Leonard streaks over to the top side of the court and RJ's nowhere near him. Cause he's kind of like, Oh, I'm on this side of the court. I guess I'll kind of pick up this guy. If he had been engaged from the moment that he missed that shot, he goes and picks up Kawhi. Instead, Jalen Brunson has to go pick up Kawhi and that's a bad mismatch. So Randall comes over to help ball kicks over to whoever Randall was guarding behind the three, three point goal and semi transition. You know, it's shit like that, that, that you get too often. And that's my biggest complaint. I don't mind RJ going six for 21. I mean, it's not ideal, but I can live with that. It's the other stuff that I have an have an issue with. Um, and I hope he gets better with. Last thing I want to say, um, I, I'm not going to sit here and say his defense was impeccable all night, but Julius Randle's defense on Kawhi Leonard. And um, there's a particular play. uh, It was, I think maybe it was the Clippers penultimate possession of the game. I forget. Or maybe the one before that one of their, either their second to last or third to last possession of regulation, excuse me, where he deed up Kawhi Leonard like a champ. And we know that's in there. And that's why it's so frustrating when he doesn't bring that. But man, he took on the challenge. He took on the challenge, and I want to give him a lot of credit for that. Um, he also gave the keys to Brunson at the end of this game and worked out pretty well. I um, think that's it. We'll get to. The, I'll get to the moment of the game now. I thought, oh, I, I'll last thing I'll say. I think the ball movement was pretty good tonight because that's been an issue. It's been something we talk about often. I mean, the Knicks had tonight thirty assists on forty-five made uh, field goals. 
which I think they had, this is like their second or third game of the season, maybe third or fourth game of the season where they've had 30 assists. That's a good ratio. That's good ball movement. I thought they were moving well. They were moving themselves. They were moving the ball, the whole thing. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Um, moment of the game. Let's do moment of the game. Um, three candidates. Pretty easy for me. Grimes three, which I believe put them up one. First time they took the lead all game. The uh, yes, then it was the second to last possession because then it was the, or maybe it was the last. I don't know. Whatever. Randall's stop on Kawhi. You guys know which one I'm talking about if you watch this game. And then the Brunson. Um, driving field goal to put them up three that should have been 
the final margin, but it wasn't because that is this next season. Inexplicable in every way a season could be inexplicable. All right. uh, Quick uh, personal injury report presented by our friends at Weiss and Rosenblum. Um, No Mitch tonight. Not great. I think Mitch would have made a difference. I miss Mitchell Robinson. I really do miss Mitchell Robinson. He on a lot of these. Again, if you put him in and you replace the Sims minutes with Mitchell Robinson, like I, I, they're holding their own for the most part. They're holding their own since Mitch went down. Um, but I, I really wonder what their record would be if they had Mitch for these, because again, this is a game. I think they win if Mitchell Robinson's in this game. I really do. And I don't think it, 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 I think they win. I think there's probably at least another win or two, but hopefully he comes back soon. Um, On the bright side, not injured tonight, Jalen Brunson. Uh, Again, thanks to our friends at Weiss and Rosenblum. You can contact them at 212-366-6100. Again, law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum, personal injury attorneys, 212-366-6100 or Contact them at weissandrosenbloom.com. Visit them today. Don't hire a rookie. Hire a veteran. Call them if you think you have a case. All righty. I think I'm ready. (laughs) Bring it on. Here we go. Mythic Monty starts us off. They are a joke defensively without Mitch. Um, Sims at 24 years old provides no offense and won't get much better. I did think Sims had a nice pass to the corner that missed. That's about all Sims contributed. Uh, with Mitch always hurt, maybe trade for a big. Um, look, I, I think they've struggled immensely on defense without Mitch. They, they're just not a very good defensive team without him. Do I, I don't want to say they're a joke. I think they certainly weren't a joke in the fourth quarter when they played their asses off, but, and then you're like, okay, well, why can't they do that for four quarters? I, they can, it's partially an effort thing. I think it's still partially an execution thing. I think they get execute better at times. Um, do I want to trade for a center? Do I want to give up on Mitchell Robinson? I'm not there. I I think Mitch is. I think. If you ask me, do I think Mitch will be the starting center on this team? If, and when God willing, they're like a contending team. No, I don't. Um, I think it'll be someone else, but for right now, I don't, I'm not going that far. Thanks. Mythic Monty. Appreciate it. Frank Miranda, what's going on, Frank? Hey, Mac, it's your boy, Frank. I wonder where this is going. It's your boy, Frank, from Patreon. I'm sending this super chat at the end of the third quarter, but KFS should look into selling Valtrex for the eyesore that is R.J. Barrett. I would buy it up. I didn't know we had super chats from, like, throughout the game. Okay, now I got to be on, really, the lookout here. Um, yeah, not not a great game for for R.J. from the field. Thank you, Frank. Appreciate it, as always. Contributions are always... Always appreciate it. Sam Garcia, John, I can see why you hate RJ Barrett. I don't hate RJ Barrett. I don't hate RJ Barrett. I really don't. I, you know, it's funny. I was having a back and forth um, in our Discord. Uh, shout out to all of our patrons a few days ago about like, it was about Tibbs. And I was basically making the point like, I don't think Tibbs is a great coach. I think he's 
perfectly fine coach. But I <clears throat> I do what I do when I get up here and I constantly defend him because I think the conversation is out of whack. And I think there's just too much negativity. Um, and there are reasons for why I think that is that are neither here nor there. I think the reason that I have this reputation of like being an RJ hater is I thought the conversation was out of whack for many years, but in a different way. And like everybody loved him for years and years and years. And like, how dare he not get on the all rookie team? And how dare you think about trading him for, you know, Donovan Mitchell and so on and so forth. And I'm like, I just, I, I knew what the numbers said and the numbers and I, and not, not even just taking it like, okay, these are the numbers now. Like I, I did, I ran out of, I lost count of how many historical comparisons I did where I like, okay, players, this volume, this age, this many years in the league, one year, two year, three year, four. And this efficiency in comparison to league average. And the funny thing is the funniest part of it my issues with him now are largely not really related to his offense. I've kind of accepted what he is on offense. And I think he's actually had a pretty good, he, no, he's had a good offensive year for him. He's had a better offensive year than I may have expected. It's how the other parts of his game have just kind of like fallen by the wayside and all the research and thought, thought thinking I've done of, of this player over the years. That is not something I saw coming, you know? So, you know, it's more, Prize than anything. Um, but no, I, I don't hate RJ Barrett. I just want RJ to be a little bit better. Thanks, Sam Garcia. Shout out to your whole family. TJ Akai, good effort, but how many centers would still be in the NBA if we had 20 coaches like Tibbs? Um, Whiteside, Dwight, Tristan, the other two, Plumleys, Hibbert. I, <laughs> this is what he believes. He believes you protect the paint. And, you know, what do you want me to say? I could sit here and say they're a Batum three-pointer away from having won the game. And you have to see, like, how these things, how these schemes play out, not only over a full 48 minutes, but over a full or full 82 games. Um. He's good. He's, He's not going to back off that. I think to most people, that is one of his most negative qualities. So you're in good company there. Thanks, TJ. James Choi. What's going on, James? Grimes is taking a half tick longer on his jumper. The difference for him the last two games. He'll go on a hot streak. No foul at the end of regulation. Yeah, we talked about the the no foul thing. Um, It's unfortunate. As far as Grimes... <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm still a little, a little under the weather tonight. Um, yeah, I didn't mention him. He was three for six from downtown, four of eight overall, 13 points, two assists. Fouled out in the overtime period, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's a good observation. Um, I think he's taking a t- tick longer in general. He's not rushing the drives. He's not rushing the drives on closeouts, so that's for sure. But again, I never worried about Quentin Grimes. That, that dude's just going to keep getting better. He's like quickly. They'll just keep getting better and better and better, which is a great luxury to have. Uh, Thank you, James. 
Appreciate it. Cactus Shack. What's going on, Cactus? This team is like that mirage of an oasis you see in the searing desert heat. So tantalizing, but not real. We were happier when we only knew losing. Um, yeah, like I had this conversation with Fred recently. I think this is to some extent what mediocrity looks like. But as I said to Fred, they take mediocrity to the extreme. Um, like, again, just not being able, they're not out of any game. I mean, you could look at, what was it? The, since the Dallas game, um, <clears throat> excuse me, since the Dallas game, they were in every game they played the Dallas game in the beginning of December, I should specify, because I know there were two Dallas games um, until I would say the Washington game, which is when they lost Mitch. Um, and then maybe the Atlanta game after that, they were, that was not really close. And then I forget the Toronto game after that, if that, but no, I think they made a kind of a half-hearted comeback attempt there uh, at Toronto, but yeah, like they're in everything. They're in every game. So give them credit for that. Hamdy M. What's going on, Hamdy? I have a very in-depth analysis for this game. Effing sucks. Hashtag rebounds, rebounds, rebounds. Yep. I wish this was a better defensive rebounding team. I really do. Um, <clears throat> oh. Okay. Um. Good job by Andrew. Just texted me this. So Tibbs was asked about not fouling there at the end of the game. Um, I didn't realize this. This is a bad job by me. Uh, the Knicks had a foul to give a foul to give. So um, a foul essentially sets up and um, like a plug out of bounds play that they could have set up, which, you know, I don't know if you like that explanation, but that was his explanation which I think is fair. Dan Hidalgo, what do you think about trading for Jared Vanderbilt? I was wondering how long we would get until we, we got a trade thing. Um, I mean, it seems like a lot of teams are interested in Jared Vanderbilt. I think Jared Vanderbilt, from what I understand from just about him as a player previously and from having watched Utah probably, I don't know, five, six, seven times this year in any real capacity. And he's good energy, big, doesn't really shoot it. Shoots like a corner three a game, basically makes him sometimes not enough to be a, like a threat, um, but it gives you a little bit of positional versatility. I don't know how much that positional versatility is going to matter if he comes here. Um, but I like you talk about their issues, right? Defensive rebounding. Well, guess what? Jared Vanderbilt does pretty well. He rebounds really well for his position. Uh, he's a good defender. Uh, not a great defender, I don't think, but I think he's a good defender. Again, positional versatility on the defensive end is something that they, I think, value. <clears throat> um, you know, but it's, it would definitely be an investment in defense. And it doesn't surprise me in the least that Obi Toppin was in that rumor because if you're trading for Jared Vanderbilt, I would be shocked if Obi Toppin remained on this team. Um, yeah, but it, like, it's with every... It's everything. Like, what are you giving up? And the issue with what are you giving up is it leads to the OB conversation. And that is a much larger conversation because are you giving up the guy you drafted eighth overall 
two and a half years ago? Or are you giving up the guy that has the value around the league that he does right now, which is just frankly not incredibly high? Um, because I think there are a lot of teams that have the same questions about what his role looks like on most teams. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence in the least that the two teams that we have heard rumored for him, Indiana and Utah have centers that could shoot. And one of them, Indiana, who has been rumored for the longest has a center that could shoot and could protect the rim. Don't think that's a coincidence at all. Uh, as for Utah, like they have Lori Marketing that could play five if they want. They have obviously um, Kelly Olynyk who could play five and, and stretch the floor. And they've been starting Walker Kessler. I would imagine if they did trade for Obi Toppin, he would become the backup four there. And you'd see him play a little bit, maybe alongside Lori Marketing. I imagine you'd see him play alongside Kelly Olynyk a little bit, but he's with a, another big that can shoot the ball. Um, and you know, those teams run different schemes than we do here and they don't have this coach. So different, different vantage point. Thanks, Dan. Red Sarachek. What's going on, Red? Why not adjust if a team goes five out? Why not give clarity when to foul versus waiting 15 seconds and then fouling being a pro versus a reactive coach makes a big difference. So again, like there's going to be some people who are always going to look at the negative in this coach. And that is fine. That is where we were at. That is where we are at. And he is probably earned that for a lot of people by how he goes about his business. I, and again, this comment will never be made, but like <laughs> you have a coach who is coaching a team that doesn't ever seem to give up. Now, easy response to that is, well, that's not has nothing to do with the coach. That has to do with the team. Okay. Well, you know, I like how people get to pick and choose the things that have to do with the coach and don't have to do with the coach. That's why, again, I'm not going to sit here and say Tibbs is without mistakes. Everything you bring up here, not adjusting when they go five out, not going small. Um, you know, if you have an issue with the fouling thing at the end of the game. It's all fair. I'm just trying to bring balance to the conversation because nobody seems to want to do that anymore with this particular individual, which is, you know, a shame. Thanks, Red. Robert Cross, first time, long time, John. Can we get Mitch back for fuck's sake? I would like to. Um, I can't take it any longer. Hashtag 53 wins. Um, they need him. I hope the setback isn't post All-Star break like Mitch still isn't back. I, as long as they have him for the after the All-Star break, I'll sign for that right now. Oh, would have loved to get this win. Then I would have been one away from getting my 500 record by the all-star break. And now I have to sweat it out some more because man, two of the next three games are against that monster team in Philly, including tomorrow on a back-to-back. -back. Anyway, Kevin Danishevsky, what's going on, Kev? Thank you as always for your contribution. So proud of this team. Thank you for being positive, Kevin. I like that. Tonight, confirm my opinion that if you need to make the trade that the fan base will hate and get a big all or sorry, my opinion that if you need to make the trade that the fan base will hate. No, I got it right. And get a big all defense prime three wing for RJ. I don't want to trade RJ tonight. Come on. 
I don't want to trade RJ at all. I wish we didn't have to trade RJ, and I don't think they necessarily have to trade RJ. What I do think is that unless RJ Barrett becomes a six man for this team, they're like they're probably going to trade. They're they're gonna to have to trade someone. You know, Brunson's not gonna be a six man. Actually, you know what? I shouldn't even say that. Like I was thinking to myself earlier today. This is probably crazy, but like, imagine they traded for Dame this summer. I, I'm not saying they should. I'm not saying I want to. I'm just shooting the shit. Imagine they traded for Dame this summer, and they went to Brunson before they completed the trade and be like, "Hey, we can get Dame. You're still, you know, you're still gonna play 30 minutes a night, <clears throat> but we think it would work best if you became a six man." What do you think Brunson would say that? I, there's a part of me that thinks like he would actually be like, you know what? Whatever you need. What's best for the team? You know, manager Ginobili made the Hall of Fame coming off the bench. Happy to do whatever you need. Um, now, he might react a different way, <laughs> but I know one thing they're never doing as long as he's in this uniform, they're never putting RJ Barrett on the bench. And, and that's, that's tough because if they eventually get a more ball dominant guy as they're like true number one, because I think everybody watching this agrees that they need a true number one. Um, I don't see a true number one slotting in next to these three. I think you need for a lot of reasons. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know how things are going to roll moving forward, but I'm curious. We'll see.